Good morning. Scripture reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accord, prophesying in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Here ends the lesson. Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome to worship. I'm uh, Pastor Mark Juliet, the missions pastor here. If you're visiting with us, uh, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for everybody being here. Uh, as we conclude this series called The Generous Life, and we've been talking about these gifts, talking about generosity, these generous gifts that God has given us, gifts of time and how we utilize that time. And the the conclusion of that was the best way we can utilize our time as we approach that, as we think about that, is to think, how does this show love to God? And how does this show love to others? We talked last week about utilizing our resources. When we talk about our finances, our, our material resources, our, our money, our uh, material possessions, all of those things that we surround ourselves with. And today we'll have the opportunity um, during the uh, following the sermon, during the offering, to come forward with our commitment cards. And that's not only our financial commitments to the mission of our church here, of Alleluia, of our congregation and of our mission, but also of our time and our talents, our abilities. And so today we talk about talents. And when we hear that word, talents, we might think of someone who is talented at something, someone who really stands out in their field. So names like, oh, Michael Jordan in basketball, for instance. Now, let's just take a quick straw poll. Um, how many think LeBron is the best of all time? Two brave souls, three. Uh, how many would say Michael Jordan? Well, there it is. It's settled. You just ask a group in the Chicago area and you get the right answer. Michael Jordan in basketball. You might think of Steven Spielberg in filmmaking. He's been directing uh, films for such a long time, but it seems like the quality uh, is always really high with his films. Or Adele. Any Adele fans? She has a beautiful and incredible voice. Uh, and so we might think of somebody like Adele uh, in singing. We are led to think with that word talent that it's somebody that has to excel, has to stand out, has to be one of the best, if not the best, in a particular area. And so 
as we think about this in Scripture, we, think, we hear that word talents, and well, there must be something that I need to uncover, something that I'm supposed to be excelling at, something that I'm supposed to be the best at. And sometimes we beat our heads against a wall trying to figure out what that one thing is. And while we can certainly point to inspirational success stories of people who have uncovered their particular ability, put their all into it, and come out on top, Olympic athletes, best-selling authors, innovative founders of innovative companies. We want to step back and take a look at what the Bible means. And is this what the Bible is talking about? That word, talent, the Greek is talenta. And we can find it in the Old Testament. We can also find it in the New Testament where Jesus is telling a parable of a landowner who gives three of his servants talents, and then he goes away, and then it talks about how they invest those talents. And that, that thought around investing a talenta fits with what it is. Uh, a talent is a measured weight. They would take silver... And a certain measure of that would be a, a talent. And then they would measure that against whatever that object or whatever that thing was to determine its worth. And this was kind of the way to normalize a monetary system across wide areas. And so it's in reference to actual monetary value. But the word that is used by the Apostle Paul here in Romans is actually a different word, translated gifts. In Greek, it's charismata. Now when we think and we hear that word charismata, we might think charismatic. We think of someone who is charismatic, who has a personality that invites and welcomes people that is outgoing perhaps, that is encouraging, that draws people to themselves. Or we might think of a charismatic church, and we think of, of images of people standing up and raising their hands and shouting and rolling in the aisles and all sorts of things that we would love to do here, um, but we, you know, we want to be restrained, of course, so... No, we can do though. That's a way of worship. That is a form of worship. It's just one that doesn't necessarily fit with many of the people who come here. It's not a part of their experience. And so it just seems kind of odd or foreign to many people. And so we think of that and we think, well, we're not a charismatic church. But indeed we are. Because the Greek word charismata really is spiritual gifts. And we as a church encourage people to utilize their spiritual gifts. Another way to translate this word charismata is grace endowments. Grace endowments. I love that. 
So why does God give us these grace endowments, these gifts? In our text from Romans, Paul uses the image of a body. Paul here compares the church, the followers of Christ, us, and other followers of Christ to a body. He says, in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, Romans 12.5. He then lists out a few of those gifts that, as examples of what people might have, and he encourages those people to utilize those gifts in constructive ways. While the body has various members, various parts that serve varied functions, they are still part of one body. They are interconnected and affect one another. If one part of the body is hurt, then the other areas of the body kind of rally around that part of the body. They compensate for it. If you've ever hurt a leg, you maybe compensate for it with your other leg. Or if you broke your arm, the other arm fills in. And if you break the arm that is dominant, or that hand, it's, it's much more difficult. And you discover, oh my gosh, this is really difficult. I didn't realize how much I use this. And so the other parts of the body have to compensate for that hurt part. Five years ago this December, um, I discovered how the body is interrelated. Uh, in that uh, December, early uh, morning of December 11th, 2013, um, my dog woke up my wife, nudged her, got up in her face, which was very unusual, and she looked over and I was having a massive seizure. We uh, discovered when we went to the emergency room after um, doing a scan that I had a mass on my brain. And they said either it's a tumor, which I've been around enough diagnoses, uh, diagnoses of tumors, especially in the brain, to know that's, that's not a good thing. Or it was an arteriovenous malformation. Now, I couldn't say that that well at the time because I had no idea what the ER doctor was saying. Arterial venous malformation, or AVM for short. Thank you, I'll use that. What's an AVM? I didn't know. I'd never heard of it. It's very rare. Maybe affects one in 100,000 people. I drew the lucky number. An AVM is a kind of tangle of veins and, uh, in, in a part of the body, maybe an organ or often the brain, that forms around a piece of tissue during gestation. So before I was even born, I had this AVM. And over time, it can grow and develop, and then it can begin to cause problems. Usually between the ages of 20 and 45. And here I was, closer to the upper end of that scale at the time. Much, much closer to the upper end of that. 
The doctors said, well, there's a couple ways that we can address this. One was through radiation. They said, well, that has about a 50-50 chance of working. I thought, I'm not going to go through all of this for a 50-50 chance of it working. The other way to address it was through surgery. And that would take care of it. But it was risky. There were various risks that were involved with the surgery. We would have to, uh, they would have to inject a glue-like substance. Think of liquid duct tape. And they, uh, which I love duct tape, so I thought, that's cool, sign me up. And they, uh, they would uh, inject this through a series of procedures, a little bit at a time, into that, that nodule that was about the size of the end of my thumb to stop off the blood flow through that AVM so that I wouldn't hemorrhage as likely during surgery. They did three of those procedures, and then on April 15th, 2014, I had brain surgery. And uh, in case you hadn't noticed, I do have the scar still right there. Um, I started to cover it up, but then I thought, no, leave it. I want scars are, uh, somebody said this recently, scars are evidence that God heals. And so I had that, that brain surgery. Well, one of the risks leading up to this that they told us about, as they did many MRIs and such, was that where the nodule, the, this AVM was, was close to the part of my brain that controls the movement on my right side. And so they said, I could very well end up paralyzed on my right side, especially my leg and perhaps my arm. That paralysis could be temporary, it could be permanent, or somewhere in between where I would maybe not have as much function. But it was a lower percentage of chance of that happening. I told myself ahead of time, it is going to happen. And when I wake up from surgery, I will be paralyzed, but I will get better. Now, I told myself this to prepare myself for that eventuality. I forgot to tell my wife and my family. And so in those, uh, that day, day and a half before I woke up, they noticed that my right side of my body wasn't moving. And in fact, that I was paralyzed on that right side of my body. Other doctors came in and they gave grim news that, well, it, it's going to take a long time to recover, maybe residential treatment for a year, and we'll see, maybe he'll get back some movement, but may not get back all movement on that side. When I woke up, I was not surprised. I couldn't move my right side of my body. Um, I couldn't communicate quite yet, uh, but over the next few days, I began to move my fingers, my hands, my toes, my foot, and eventually, just after a few days, I actually got up, They'd have to use a sling to move me before that, but I actually stood up with the help of a crane thing and, um, and got into a walker and walked around the halls. Over the next several weeks, couple months through therapy, I worked um, at it to get pretty much everything back. I use this example 
to talk about how the body works together. When one part of the body suffers, when one part of the body is injured, even though you might not know or see the connection, it affects other parts of the body. Here, I had something done in my brain. Now, the brain, we know, it controls everything. But here was something done way up here, and it affected my appendages here. And when my appendages on my right side were affected, it affected the rest of my body. And so the whole body had to work together to help overcome and compensate and retrain for how now the body could work and function again together. Paul compares the church, the followers of Christ, the people of God, to a body. Though we, who are many, we are still one body. We are one body in Christ, he says. We each have a purpose, a function within the body. And it's our gift, our responsibility, our grace endowment to use what God has gifted us with to serve the function of the whole. Now this is true in the body of Christ, the church. We need each one of us in the body of Christ to be using our gifts to the fullness Paul says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do so diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You may be able to think of examples of people who have these varied gifts. Or this is just a partial list. There are gifts beyond this as well. And it takes people using those varied gifts to come together, to function, and to serve, and to be the body of Christ, serving God's purpose and mission within the world. This is true of the church, but it is true in your families as well. Each member of that family offers something unique to them. It's true within your workplaces. It's true within your schools. It's true within the community. That's true within our world. We each bring something different and unique to the table. And if we aren't offering that, then the whole suffers. The whole compensates, but the whole loses something. But when we are fully utilizing these grace endowments, these gifts that we have been given, when we are fully developing them, and using them not for 
personal achievement, not to just excel for ourselves, but when we are giving those back to the function of the whole, then the whole gains. Then the whole goes forward. This, this is the selfless life. This is the generous life. We have been graciously blessed by God in so many ways. And as we approach Thanksgiving, we're reminded to pause and think about the blessings that we have been given. Doesn't mean there aren't hard times. Doesn't mean there aren't difficulty. Doesn't mean there aren't challenges that we face. The Bible says be thankful in all things. We can even be thankful for those things. For through those, we can also gain something, be strengthened in character, be strengthened in love. We have been blessed with our time, with our resources, and with our gifts. These grace endowments, these gifts God. And so we want to live the generous life, using and giving those things back to God, to the body of Christ, and to the world. Let us pray. Lord God, you are a gracious God. You so freely give us and bless us with the gift of life, with the gift of time, with the gift of our resources, with the gift of our abilities, our uniqueness, our character. Lords, the, these are signs of your gracious love. Lord, may we be compelled, may we be encouraged to use those things, to be a blessing to your people, the church, to the body of Christ. Lord, may we utilize these things to be a blessing in love to those around us. May we use that which we have been given to be a blessing to others so that the whole may gain, so that the whole may know and feel your presence your love, your strength. We pray this in the name of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.